From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Fifty years ago today, Frank Borman, James Lovell, and Bill Anders launched from the Kennedy Space Center atop a Saturn V rocket on humanity's first mission to the moon. The trio was the first to leave Earth's orbit and see the Earth as a whole planet. Three days later, when they arrived at the moon, the crew could see the Earth rise above the lunar surface. Oh my God, look at that picture over there. There's the Earth coming up. Wow, that's pretty. Hey, don't take that. That's my schedule. <laughs> is that a color film, Jim? Hand me a roll of color. Quick, oh man, that's crazy. Quick. This photo, known as Earthrise, is called one of the most influential environmental photographs ever taken, and is probably the most famous photo taken from space. The Apollo 8 mission paved the way for future lunar landing missions, too. Now, a group of retired astronauts are remembering the mission and the photograph and using it as a tool to inspire future generations of explorers. I spoke with one of those astronauts, Nicole Stott, about the significance of the image and how her new program, called Constellation, is inspiring others to view the planet from a different perspective. Well, joining us is Nicole Stott. She's a retired NASA astronaut, and she's speaking to us from St. Pete. Uh, Nicole, thanks for speaking with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we're almost at the 50th anniversary of Apollo 8 with the iconic Earthrise shot. Tell me what that is and why it's so important. Wow. So Earthrise, I think, you know, if there's one image that everyone knows, uh, it's Earthrise. And that's, you know, it it is. It's this iconic image that the Apollo 8 crew um, took and shared for all of us. You know, Earthrise was the first time that human beings um, saw our planet in space, not just in space, but rising above the horizon of another planetary body. Mm-hmm. And absolutely the, you know, the clearest way to understand who and where we are, <laughs> you know, in this universe. And, uh, and that, you know, we feel like we need to celebrate that. And it's... You know, the Apollo 8 guys were on this mission to the moon. Um, They were the first ones, first human beings to go to the moon, and they were going to be circling around it. And like Bill Anders likes to say, uh, you know, they went there to discover the moon, and they discovered our home, planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Do you remember where you were when you first saw that that image? You know, I don't. But, uh, I mean, I was six when that mission was going on, and I know my family was uh, and still is you know, space fans. And so I know we would have been watching it. Uh, I just don't, you know, remember it at that time. But I can tell you from the time, whenever that was that I saw it, it's just one of those images that I think sticks with you, kind of becomes part of you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the mission of of Apollo 8 is kind of lost on some of the triumphs of uh, Apollo 11, some of the trials of Apollo 13? I mean, this was a very, very important mission when it came to putting humans on the moon, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, absolutely. It was, you know, when you think about it, these were the guys that were, you know, the first ones that were really going, you know, they didn't set down on the moon, but they got us there and uh, pretty incredible. And I don't, you know, I don't think it gets lost. In fact, I think that when you look at how all of the following Apollo missions are communicated, they all come back to, uh, you know, the messaging, the, the, the calm that went on with Apollo 8. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with sharing 
uh, this view of Earth with everyone, too, you know, whether you were standing on the moon or circling around it. Now, Nicole, tell me a little bit about, because, you know, folks like me, I can only see that image of Earthrise and Apollo 8, but one, you're one of the few people who has actually seen Earth from a much different perspective um, than the rest of us. Tell me about that first moment when, when you caught a glimpse of our planet, uh, not from the ground. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, you try to prepare yourself for things like that. And I think there's things we experience down here on Earth, too, that, you know, give you that same kind of sense of, of awe and wonder, you know, about who and where you are and your connectivity to everything and everyone. <laughs> And I think that's, um, you know, aside from the absolutely stunning beauty of it, the almost like overwhelmingly impressive beauty of it, it really is this, I don't know, it's this experience that gets in you for sure. And it gets in you in a way that, um, you, you know, you recognize that, wow, really simple things, you know, we live on a planet. <laughs> You know, we're all Earthlings, and the only border that matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere. And, and with that is the, you know, is the absolute undeniable, I guess, um, reality check of the interconnectivity of it all, of mm -hmm. everything and everyone that's there. What's kind of a feeling that you share with your, your fellow astronauts when you talk about that moment? You know, how, how do you describe it to each other? Is there, is there a commonality between you all? I think there absolutely is a commonality and I think it comes down to that, you know, whether somebody spends, you know, communicates it more about the beauty of it or talks more about the, you know, this, this lack of borders kind of thing or, um, or looks at it from the kind of the fragile nature of the planet. Every, every conversation does come down to this idea that, wow, we are all on a planet, this perfectly placed planet that, you know, provides for us so beautifully, so deliberately, I guess, and, um, and that there is no, like, us and them. It really is all us, you know, in the words of Buckminster Fuller, you know, riding on Spaceship Earth together. And what we try to say to each other, I think, is that, we know how we work peacefully, successfully as crew on a space station. And all of us know that that's what we need to be doing down here together on Earth. You know, we need to be crew. And how do you communicate that message? You know, I know you're working with, with some of your, your former astronaut colleagues now um, as a part of the Constellation astronauts. Can you tell me the plans to kind of work together and spread that message? Yeah, you know, we all, it, it's interesting, I think, um, and, you know, of course, we're all retired NASA astronauts and or, and hopefully international astronauts that are coming together to do this. You know, we all individually, um, when we uh, move on from NASA, are wanting to find ways to, to share this experience in the most meaningful, kind of impactful, and I would say empowering way for people you know, to engage people in a way that they'll want to take action based on these lessons, <laughs> you know, of who and where we are. And we just discovered that, well, maybe, you know, there's opportunity for us to come together and do that too, to collectively share this experience in a way that inspires people and immerses them and, you know, some of what we got to experience and then hopefully connects them to other people and organizations and activities going on that can allow them to take their own action and, you know, help create this 
we like to call it Earthrise future. You know, look at look at what we saw with Earthrise, what we experienced living and working peacefully and successfully as an international community in space and bring that back to Earth. Mm -hmm. And kind of talk to me about the astronauts um, that you're working with now. Who who are the the current Constellation astronauts? Okay, so the four that we have right now are myself, and then um, we have Anusha Ansari, uh, we have Ron Guerin and Leland Melvin, and we have um, about 25 other uh, international astronauts that we've communicated with and that are, you know, are ready to join us in this uh, Constellation mission once we uh, kick it off uh, December 21st. Mm -hmm. Now, folks will remember Leland um, for his famous NASA portrait with his dogs, right? Yes. He, yeah, you know, if I'd known, or if you even thought that you could sneak your dogs in, <laughs> I, I'd have been there right, right there with him. It's an awesome picture, yeah. It sounds like this is a multinational, multi-race, um, multi-background kind of kind of group and, and message that you're trying to spread in a time when there is a lot of divisiveness in this world. I mean, is what's happening now uh, uh, down here on Earth kind of another catalyst for for you to do something and try to bring everyone together? Well, I think it. You know, maybe it's. Um... Maybe we just hit the timing right. I don't know. I, th I think any time would have been good for us to do this. And, um, you know, it's certainly, I think, a positive thing now. You know, we live and work, for the past 20 years, we have been living and working as what you just described, this diverse, multinational, multicultural, uh, you know, um, community uh, in space for the last 20 years on the International Space Station. And I always use the words like peacefully, successfully, quietly, mm -hmm. <laughs> even working this way on a space station. And the, you know, six crew members with one commander on board that station working this way. And, uh, and tens of thousands of people across the you know, five different space agencies working peacefully, successfully together as well. And we really feel like, you know, the space station, this model, this of like how we should be operating down here on Earth needs to be shared with everyone. Mm -hmm. And we think about it like it's a matter of scale. <laughs> you know, when well, we have 16 countries working together now on this thing we built in space, why not however many countries there are down here on Earth, you know, doing that same thing uh, together as a crew of Spaceship Earth. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you kind of worked through that, because, I, I mean, as as a International Space Station astronaut, you had to learn to work with these other agencies like the Russian Space Agency, like the Canadian Space Agency. I mean, what kind of training did you go through? Um, what kind of cultural training, language training did you have to, to, to become <laughs> a, a multinational astronaut, basically? You know, it's funny. I think the the... Uh, well, of course, you know, as an astronaut, pretty much all the training you're doing is how do you work as a, an effective and efficient team and, you know, as a leader, as a follower, all those things you have to do to be, you know, a successful team together. And um, I don't know, you know, I never found that there was, you know, any huge barriers to doing that with any of our partner country, you know, our country I can't even say that, of our partner countries <laughs> and the, you know, the crew members and teams that we were working with. You know, we certainly over, you know, when I did my first mission to station, 
I trained for about three years, going back and forth to all the different countries, over 50% of my time out of the US training. So I'd be four weeks in Star City, Russia, four weeks at home, three weeks in Europe, home, Canada, and Japan. And you really discover very quickly the lesson that you end up learning in space is that, hey, we are all in this together. And, um, you know, maybe it's kind of a Maslow thing. We all have the same basic needs. We're all trying to, you know, live in a peaceful and happy way that we thrive wherever we are. And um, you come to know that that everybody should be able to do that together. Mm -hmm. And I think the station has shown us that. I mean, the way we work on the space station, um, we just deliberately, we just decided, here's the mission of the space station. All of us bought into it. And that doesn't mean that it's always everybody has the same priorities or everybody you know, wants to do the same experiments, but we also establish the rules of engagement and then we work to those. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how, <laughs> you know, how you can get success from that. And then everybody's individual priorities can be satisfied and the, you know, the, the overarching mission as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the interesting things when you look at space history is you see how these these grander goals for humanity kind of transcend the political issues that are happening down here on Earth, right? I'm thinking back to the Apollo-Soyuz missions and and things like that. Oh my gosh, it's so, I think when we go back, it's why Apollo 8 to me is such a, you know, just a really wonderful um, way to get people back engaged is, you know, we're allowing people through Earthrise or, or the Apollo 8 crew did, you know, for us to see that who and where we are. And then we look at the kind of the evolution of our space programs around the world. All of it has, has ultimately been about more and more of us coming together. And Apollo Soyuz to me, oh my gosh, that is, you, you think about the crew members. I think about like Tom Stafford and Alexei Leonov. Mm-hmm. Those two men from the time they met were working together on this common goal. And they are like the best of friends today. Mm-hmm. And it's that, I don't know, I think, you know, when you get to meet people and see how people live uh, around the world that might be a little bit different to you, you realize that it's not, it's not bad that it's different, (laughs) that it's different to you. It's just different to you. When we, when we acknowledge that, it's amazing what we, we can do. Mm -hmm. Does that give you hope that future space missions like a, a, a lunar space station or even a trip to Mars, you see leaders in space agencies saying, we can't do this alone. We have to be able to work with, with other nations and other corporations and collaborate on this. Does that give you uh, optimism of the future that, that uh, folks are recognizing that? Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, I don't think there's any going back now to any one nation um, doing these kinds of things on their own. Um, I think we've very beautifully proven how this kind of um, cooperation can can result in so much more mm-hmm. than you know what you can do with any one any one of our groups. <laughs> I think that's true in everything, really. You know, it, when you mix it up, it um, just somehow seems to bring I don't know bring I don't know better success is the word. You know, you can be successful, but oh my gosh, imagine, there are so many ways to be better successful. <laughs> Nicole, before I let you go, um, 
since we are talking about iconic images from space, is there a moment that you can recall on one of your three missions um, to the space station um, that really sticks out in your mind? Something that you saw or, or something that you bring back that, um, that you hold near and dear to your heart? I think the thing that sticks out to me is I remember, you know, first getting to space and wanting to look out the window and see things that were familiar to me. You know, I mean, the, the whole view is kind of shocking, you know, in a very positive way. But I wanted, like, I wanted to see Florida from space because I, I considered Florida my home. And I thought it was so cool how seeing Florida from space eventually became not about seeing Florida, but seeing Florida as part of this planet, as part of Earth that's my home. And you don't even realize when that happens. It just kind of naturally happens. And I think that's the thing that stands out to me is, you are always surprised when you look out that window, but in the end, what you realize is that, wow, that place, that whole place is my home. Well, Nicole Stott, she's a retired NASA astronaut, um, took three trips into space, and she will be at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex December 21st for the launch of the Constellation program. Um, Nicole Stott, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much, and I hope we'll see you there. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. If you've got questions or ideas for upcoming guests, let me know. Email me at arewetheryet at wmfe.org or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Space Brendan. And while you're at it, be sure to rate and review this podcast so more people can explore exploration with us. You can find more content by following the show on Twitter at AWTYMars. Get it, are we there yet, Mars? Or looking for us on Facebook and giving that page a like. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more space news online at wmfe.org slash space. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.